Good morning, church. Oh, I'm getting set up here. Does anybody know, uh, some of you high-tech guys, who had the first computer? No, no. It was Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had the first computer. Well, it was, you know, old one. It was an Apple. And it didn't have much memory. Only had one byte. And then it crashed. You're supposed to laugh now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, we're, we've started, a, uh, for our guests, we've started a series on covenant. And uh, so the name of this message is Covenant Connections. And what I mean by that, before we get into the message, is... Um, things that we have to connect with as New Covenant believers that we didn't necessarily have in the Old Covenant or weren't available to us in the Old Covenant but are now available to us. So that's what I mean by covenant connections. So let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for who you are. We thank you so much for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. We'll be eternally grateful, Lord. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to inspire the Word of God and to be our helper now. Hallelujah. Lord, you said you'd never leave us or forsake us. There's so many different ways that you're with us, with your Spirit, with your um, presence, with your Word all the time. And so we thank you for that. And we just invite you, Spirit of the living God, to come and minister life to us from the word of God that you inspired. We don't want to hear from Warren. We want to hear from the throne of grace today what you have to say to us concerning these covenants. And we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. This is your service, Lord. You just do what you want to do not what any man wants to do. And we give you the glory and praise and honor for it now in Jesus' name. Well, I want to re- start out by reminding you of some things that you already know. And I'm going to read, we're going to begin reading in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, right where um, he left off. We're going to start in verse 11, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible, so it's going to be a little bit louder, okay? We'll start on verse 11. Furthermore, every human priest stands at his altar of service, ministering daily, offering the same sacrifices over and over again, which never are able to strip from every side of us the sins that envelop us and take them away. Those animal sacrifices just wouldn't, wouldn't do it. Whereas this one, Christ, after he had offered a single sacrifice for our sins that shall avail all, for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, then to, then to wait until his enemies should be made a stool beneath his feet. 
That's important. We'll come back to that later. For by a single offering, he has forever completed cleansing and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. That would be you and I. And also the Holy Spirit adds his testimony to us in confirmation of this. For having said, this is the agreement, the testament, the covenant that I will set up and conclude with them after those days, saying, the Lord, I will imprint my laws upon their hearts and I will inscribe them on their minds, on their innermost thoughts and understanding. He then goes on to say, and their sins and their law-breaking I will remember no more. Well, aren't you glad that's in there? Now, where there is absolute remission, absolute remission, forgiveness and cancellation of penalty of these sins and law-breaking, there is no longer any offering made to atone for sin. So Jesus Christ, when he came and died on the cross, he was actually born to die. Amen. You see, these Old Testament um, sacrifices and stuff were a shadow of things to come. A symbol of God's perfect will. God's perfect will for his only, was for his only begotten son to die on a cross for the sins of the world. Because God knew he was the only acceptable sacrifice. He was the only one that was pure and holy. Every man, even if he wanted to die for the sins of the world, every man's uh, blood is contaminated with sin. Only Jesus Christ was pure and holy. Hallelujah. So the new covenant work was finished at the bloodstained cross of Calvary. If you remember, Jesus said, it is finished. Enough. Everything that needed to be done to cancel the old covenant and to ratify the new covenant was now done. Everything had been completed. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so we want to look at some things, uh, a few things, just four of them, um, of New Covenant Connections. Four things that are available to us now. Um, some of them were available before, but now they have a much different connotation to them. And we're going to start, um, the first one is authorization, which uh, you never hardly ever hear anybody talk about. I've only ever heard one preacher talk about authorization. And I've been around a few years. So there's a lot more in the New Covenant than these four things. These are the four things that I believe he wants me to share with you this morning. Uh, we would be here for weeks um, if we went into all of them. So authorization, to help us understand and see what it what I'm talking about here, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14, 26 to 33. I'll be using the New King James. And um, beginning at verse 26, this is a story where Jesus is walking on the water and where Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. So we're just going to uh, read a portion of that. 
When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Actually, they were terrified. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus saved him. You know the story. So why are we talking about this when we're looking at covenant? Because when he asked Jesus if he could to come to him, Jesus said one thing. He said, come. When he said, come, that was authorization to walk on the water. Now, I know a lot of people who have walked on water, but it was 25, 35 degrees below zero. It's a little different. This was a storm. Wet water. Amen? Somebody, are you asleep already? Amen. And so he had authorization. You understand what that, what that means? You can't go into the Pentagon unless you have authorization. You have to have badges and clearance and all kinds of things, just to mention one thing. So he was authorized to walk on the water by Jesus. Now we know Jesus is, uh, um, his name is Jesus, but he is the Christ, the anointed one of God and his anointing. And he had the spirit without measure. So for him to walk on the water isn't hard for us to believe because he is who he is. But for Peter to get out of the boat and walk on the water, he needed some help. He needed authorization. And we all know that he began to sink. Somebody said, well, he began to sink. Well, that doesn't mean the authorization wasn't any good. That just means that Peter lost his focus. Amen? Instead of being focused on Jesus and what he said and the authorization, he was focused on all the turmoil around him and he began to sink. And that's what's happened to a large portion of the church, not just in America, but around the world. It's lost its focus on what, what God has authorized the church to do in these last days. I mean, we are privileged to be living in these days. You could have been born at any time, but God chose that you'd be born for these last days. That's a privilege. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so let's look at another scripture in Matthew chapter 10. This is some of our authorization. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called his, his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Woo! Glory to God. He gave them power to do that. The word is, in the Greek is exosia. And it's a much stronger word than dudamus. Dudamus is miraculous power. But exosia is a pregnant word. It has all kinds of meaning. One of them is privilege. Another one is ability, force, capacity, competency, freedom, 
mastery, all these things are in that one Greek word. I mean, it's a very powerful, powerful word. Sometimes it's translated authority. We'll look at a scripture uh, like that in a little while. So Jesus delegated influence, authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right, and strength to the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples. They were given this authorization, this power, this jurisdiction over demons and all the power of the enemy and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the 12, we must remember that they are a foreshadow of the ongoing mission of the church. It would extend beyond the house of Israel to include a global scope. So we need to know what a disciple is. So we need to know who has this authorization. A disciple is a learner and follower of both the teaching and the teacher. A disciple is both the learner and follower of the teaching and the teacher. So if you're here today and you're, you're a follower of Jesus Christ and his teaching, you are a modern-day disciple. Simple as that. It's not rocket science. If you follow Jesus Christ and his teaching, you are a disciple. Luke chapter 10. Verse 19 says this. We're going to read 19 and 20, but we're going to talk about 19 first. Jesus is speaking. He says, Behold, I give you authority. That's ekosia. That's the powerful, powerful, powerful word that we just talked about. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The power of the enemy there, that word is deutimus, miraculous power. The enemy has some miraculous power, but it's very limited, amen? Amen. Your power, your ecclesia, is only limited by God. If you can believe God for it, he'll do it. Amen? It's ecclesia. I mean, it's unlimited. Behold, I give you authority, ecclesia, to trample on serpents and scorpions. It's all representatives of demonic and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. That includes Delta, COVID, whatever you want to call the next one that comes along. You have authorization over these kinds of things. Hallelujah. So as a disciple, you have been authorized to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. You're authorized. Your authority includes this power over the enemy. So New Covenant disciples, you've been authorized, you've you've been given this jurisdiction over all kinds of sickness and disease. So that's pretty exciting. 
nobody's jumping up and down out there, but I think that's pretty exciting. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Oh, I heard you that time. Okay, you're out there. Well, now look at verse 20. Nevertheless, even though that's exciting, that you have power over demons, that you can heal all kinds of sickness, that you can heal all kinds of diseases, be the instrument, the vessel for that, even though that's exciting, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's a good place to shout right there. Your names are written in heaven. All this stuff is good, but it's nothing compared to having your name written in the book of life in heaven. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That's a long time. Quite a while. That's longer than I am old. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So we've been given all these things. You know, and I'm going to repeat them again and again through this message because we, they stick in our minds when things are repeated. So the first one we're looking at today is this authorization. Can you see, we've been authorized to do these things, just like Peter was authorized to walk on the water. Jesus has authorized us to heal all kinds of sickness and disease and have power over the enemy, much more power than he has. So the second one that we want to look at is anointing. And there are several anointings we're going to look at, just a couple of them. One of them, we're going to begin in Acts 1. It's anointing for, to witness, anointing for service. It's all about winning the lost. And God is tarrying and tarrying because he wants all to come to saving grace. Amen? And uh, <clears throat> as he tarries, the world just gets into more of a mess. So in the Old Testament, and under that old covenant that has now been canceled, prophets, priests, and kings had the anointing, and every now and then somebody who he had a special task for, like Gideon. We could pick out a few, but you get the idea. Yeah, the average guy didn't have any anointing. It was just a prophet, priests, and kings, and once in a while, somebody that he decided to use for his purpose. Okay? <clears throat> so now he's getting ready to ascend. In Acts 1, verse 8, he says, Boys, don't go out there and try to do this on your own. You're not, it's not going to work. You need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So stay in Jerusalem. But you shall receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Why was the Holy Spirit given? So you can have this gift or that gift? No, they're just window dressing. It was given so you could be a witness. Amen. It says, witness for me in Jerusalem. That's downtown Goldman. That's right at home. That's Hillsborough. That's DeSoto. That's Festus. That's Antonio. That's Cedar Hill. Our area. Jerusalem. And in all Judea. 
Judeas, California to Florida, New York to, I mean, New York to California and Washington State to Florida, Upper Michigan to uh, Brownsville, Texas. It's the whole country. That's nationally. And in Samaria, that's cross-culturally. America is, is the melting pot of the world. There's people coming here from everywhere. If the people that are in power now stay there, the whole world will be here, probably. <laughs> and then he says, to the ends of the earth. That's internationally. Now, I'm a missionary, but I haven't been to the ends of the earth, but I've been a couple places where I could see it. <laughs> so nothing is left out. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so let's look at another anointing in 1 John. That was anointing to be a witness. Um, a lot of people say for service. And yes, it is an anointing for service, but um, mainly to be a witness for him. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 2. And verse 20. This section of scripture right here, <clears throat> excuse me, is talking about the deception of the last days. Um, the smoke and mirrors, the lies of the enemy. You know, Jesus stripped him of all his power. So he doesn't really have much left. He's just got lies and deception. And he's very good at it. He's the father of lies. Hallelujah. So let's look at verse 20. It says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. What he's saying is, you have an anointing to know the truth from the deception. Okay? You have that anointing within you, because He's in you. The Holy Spirit is in there. Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. Still awake, a couple of you. 1 John 3 8. Or right here. It says this. It says, He who sins and is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning, and for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And you and I have been authorized and anointed to destroy the works of the devil until we make his enemies his footstool, like he was talking about earlier. Because Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. He said, it's finished. My work is done. I'm now going to be your high priest and pray for you. You go out and win the world. You pray for the sick and get them healed. You deliver somebody who's full of demons. You're authorized to do that. That's why he could say in John 14, verse 12, But as surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. They're only greater because he went to the Father, and there's more of us 
Christian means little Christ. We're supposed to be sharing our faith with people on a daily basis at the grocery store, at the um, gas station, wherever you may be, at your workplace. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So he could say that because he's already provided authorization and anointing. And he's not done. He's going to provide something else. He's going to provide faith. And for that, we want to go to Romans 12. All right. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. You're very familiar with this scripture. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Just because you have authorization to heal all kinds of sickness and disease, just because you are authorized um, to cast out demons, don't think too highly of yourself. Because it's not you who's doing it, it's the power in you. Amen? Amen? We all know that. We all know that. But we have to... He, he's a gentleman. He's not going to twist our arm to do these things. We have to step out in faith. You know, it's been my experience that every time I step out in faith, the more I stretch my faith, the more he will do. <clears throat> Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And when he says it dealt to each one a measure of faith, he's talking about a degree of faith. And some portions of the church argue over he gave so much faith to this guy because he's a Sunday school teacher, and he gave a lot more faith to this guy because um, he's going to be a TV evangelist. I don't buy that. God is a just God. Amen? And whether it was a gallon of faith that we started with or a bushel of faith, I think we all got the same measure, the same degree. And then what I do with it and what you do with it, we steward it just like you do our money. And so some of you um, that are younger than me, which is almost everybody in here, might have much stronger faith than I do because you might be a better steward than me. Amen? It doesn't matter how old you are. It matters what kind of a steward you are. So <clears throat> he gives us faith. Now, there was faith in the old covenant. You know, Abraham was the father of faith. And there's a great example there. We ain't got time to go into all of that. But in the new covenant, <clears throat> um, faith takes on a little different uh, look. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because now we have all these promises. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some say there's seven thousand. Some say there's more. Some say there's less. Let me just say there's a promise for everything that you need in the Bible. I don't know how many there is, but let's just say seven thousand. That's the most common one that's used. So we have to believe the Word of God. We have to believe for those promises to come true in our lives and to advance the kingdom of God. See, I don't know if you realize what a privilege it is to be living now. You could have been born, as I said before, 
you know, in the Civil War times or something like that. I'm a veteran, but well, not of the Civil War, but a little bit later than that. But, uh, you know, he, he, you're born for such a time as this. And I'm looking at some of these young faces out there that are going to do great things for God in places around the world, not just here. And it's very exciting to me. <clears throat> very exciting to me. Hallelujah. So God gave us that degree of faith. The thing that's um, really great about that is that I can't give you something I don't have. Amen? So when God gave us a degree of faith, he gave us a degree of his faith. If I'm going to have anybody's faith, I would like to have the faith of God. Amen? So we started with a degree of God's faith. Now that, now that when you give somebody something, then it's theirs. Now it's my faith. Now I have to steward that and believe God's word, believe the promises, and then begin to advance his kingdom. <clears throat> what we need to do <coughs> excuse me, with our faith is we need to put feet to our faith. Oh, uh, what's he talking about now? Uh, James chapter 2, 17 and 18 says this. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So works confirm our faith, okay? If um, I'm believing for healing for something and I'm always talking about how sick I'm feeling, that's not going to reinforce my faith, is it? I'm not agreeing with the word of God that says by his stripes I'm healed. But if I agree with the word of God on a regular basis, <clears throat> then I'm putting feet to my faith. My testimony is the same all the time. When I'm sick and people ask me how I'm doing, even if I'm not doing well, I tell them I'm coming down with a healing. Amen? I'm not there yet, but I'm coming down with a healing. So you come up with whatever you want, there, but that works for me. You have to be consistent. Hallelujah. So we're not going to talk any more about faith because that's a subject that we've talked about a lot. Um, but we need to realize that now we have all these promises. We have the full counsel of the word. So we have um, more things in our favor to believe for than the old covenant people had. Um, <clears throat> hallelujah. Then there's a the name. And the last one we're going to look at is the name of Jesus. <clears throat> and I want to read a scripture to you in Philippians Chapter 2, beginning at verse 5, it says this. It says, Let's, Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant 
and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, <clears throat> every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. <laughs> every knee is going to bow at the name of Jesus everywhere. <laughs> In heaven, in earth, and under the earth. Praise God. It's a powerful, powerful thing. <clears throat> Go to Acts chapter 3 now. Find it here quick. Acts chapter 3. This is an example. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up to the, this is the story of the lame man who was laid by the gate. Peter and John went up to the, together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now you know they went up there for prayer all the time. Jesus probably walked by this guy. No telling how many times they walked by this guy. But this day, the Holy Spirit stopped them and wanted them to pray for him. This day, they were authorized to do something. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid there daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on them with John and Peter, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold... I do not have. He must have left his wallet home. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leapt up and stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so this man was lame. They had to lay him at the gate every day. The thing I want you to notice here is that they walked by him a lot of times, probably. Probably Jesus walked by him. But on this day, the Holy Spirit authorized them to heal the man. Lame from birth, never walked, never took a step. Now somebody who's in therapy, you know, that has never walked... I don't know what you call that. Some of you might, medical people would know. But there's a thing that goes on with their muscles. But he leapt up immediately and went leaping and jumping and praising God. This was an outright miracle in more ways than one. So it was tremendous. <clears throat> the name of Jesus. Peter didn't have any money because he left his wallet home. However, he had the name of Jesus. He had authorization, he had anointing, and he had faith. And here's the thing. You and I, as disciples in the new covenant, have, have all this equipment. My question is, what are we doing with it? Because we're going to stand before Jesus one day. And this isn't condemnation. 
this is encouragement to get off the dying. You know, pray for somebody. People will let you pray for them out and about. They will. Just ask them. I think Dan's got a shirt. He's got it on today. Ask if I can pray for you. You know, just ask. You see somebody kind of hobbling around in Walmart, ask them if you can pray for them. You never know what God is going to do. They might need to be saved. All right. Let's go over to Acts chapter 9. We'll look at a few scriptures there. <clears throat> I'm doing good. Acts 9, verse 17. This is the story of Ananias. He was told to go and pray for Paul. Um, God had blinded him on the road to Damascus. He fell off his horse and all of that. You know the story. So now, <clears throat> verse 17. Now, Ananias was a disciple like you and I, but he was not one of the apostles. Okay? So you can identify with this guy. He's authorized. Oh, you, know, you see it. And Ananias went his way and entered. God had told him to go to this house and lay his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. There was the authorization. Immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So this guy was not an apostle, but he was a disciple. He was a follower of Jesus Christ and his teachings. Hallelujah. And God said, I'm authorizing you to go and heal Saul. And he argued with him. He says, this is a guy that's been persecuting the church. And you know the whole story. But God says, no, he's a chosen vessel for me. Go down to verse 32. Verse 32. Now it came to pass as Peter went through um, parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwelled in Lydia. So there were some believers there. There he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. In the name of Jesus. Arise, make your bed. And then he arose immediately. Verse 35. So all who dwelt in Lydia... All, I've studied that word, and that means all. All who dwelt in Lydia, in this whole town, everybody, and Sharon, another community, saw him and turned to the Lord. You get somebody healed in Walmart or at the gas station or someplace, just pray for their healing. And this whole town, two of them, came to the Lord because of this one man's healing. It's a tremendous evangelism tool. And you're walking around with all of this power within you. Ecclesia. We don't just want to be a container for it. We want to be a fruitful vessel for it. So what God is doing is encouraging you and I to use what he's given us. Hallelujah. I'll go down to verse 39 right here. 
This one, he didn't use the name of Jesus, but I put it in there so you can see that this is not off limits. Then Peter rose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. Doesn't say what he said. And turned to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows presented her alive, and it, came, uh, it became known throughout the, all of Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So there's again, somebody was raised from the dead. That's not off limits to you. God has authorized you to do that. I know this sounds, you know, way out of our comfort zone for some of us. But he's authorized us to do these kinds of things. There's exosia in there. And it's the most, un it's unlimited. It's only limited by God and he's not limited. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So once again, there was a bunch of people came to Jesus because of this person being raised from the dead. I would too. So New Covenant disciples, I'm going to repeat this now, have been authorized, anointed, have a measure of God's own faith and the powerful name of Jesus. Why? To fulfill the task, the commission that he's given us. And we also have the full counsel of the word. And I want to remind you of what that task is, what that commission is. This is the first of three closings. Found in Mark 11, 15. Mark 11, 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's no parable there. It's just go get her done, guys. Go into all the world and preach to every creature. Speaking very plainly. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. So if you don't believe, you condemn yourself. God doesn't send anybody to hell. You choose to go there. If you don't receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm sorry, but that's the only alternative. It's your choice. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Notice what it says. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say sometimes. It says they will recover. Those are the words of Jesus, not Warren. Not maybe, not sometimes. They will recover. Now, if you're like me, you like to see everything right now. And it doesn't always work that way. You just have to believe when you lay hands on somebody and you pray for them that they will recover. You might not see it. You might be in another country when that happens. 
For example, Dan and I prayed for a guy two years ago in a wheelchair and a little brown guy in the Philippines. He was paralyzed on one side. And he, we got some movement in his arms and stuff. And I told him, I said, you got to thank God for your healing every day. It began right now when we prayed. But you have to do something. You have to continue to believe and continue to work your arms. When you get your arms working good, then start working on your leg, trying to move your leg. And we got word six weeks or two months later, he was walking. See? So Jesus healed the guy. He didn't get out of the wheelchair, but there was some improvement. And I think he gave him that improvement to encourage his faith that God was actually doing something. Anyway, within two months, 60 days, he was walking around. I haven't been back over there since then because of the COVID stuff. <clears throat> All right. Now, right after this, what I just read here, Jesus ascended. Now, he could have said anything. He could have talked about the people that were raised from the dead in, in his ministry. He could have talked about um, feeding people, thousands of people. You know, he could have talked about when they needed to pay taxes, Peter go catch this fish, get the coin out of his mouth, all these miracles. He could have talked about all that. But he didn't talk about past victories. He talked about what was going to happen in the future. Go into all the world. That's authorization. And preach the gospel to every creature. It goes on and on. But So we just need to do that. <laughs> He's encouraging us. Hallelujah. So he's just talking about what we need to do in the future, not about past victories. Therefore, New Covenant disciples were armed with all this stuff, authorization, anointing, faith, powerful name of Jesus, a whole counsel of the word. So we need to minister his life. We minister, minister salvation to the lost wherever we find ourselves. Number one. Number two, we are to minister his healing to the sick. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover, he said. Not maybe, not sometimes. They will. It might take a year or longer. You know, I wish I could say that everybody I prayed for is healed. But they're not. And some are, and then you come back to that same church three months later or six months later and they're back in the same shape again. When you get healed, you need to maintain it with belief. So we want to minister salvation to the lost. We want to minister healing to the sick. We want to minister deliverance for those who are in bondage. We are to take up serpents and scorpions as all um, forms of demonic the word there, take up, is arrow. And it means it can be translated to remove, to take away, to cast away. So you cast out. A lot of sickness is just a demonic thing. Not all sickness, but a good portion of it is demonic, even in these days. And, you know, it's something in the American church that you don't hear too much talk about, is casting out demons very prominent overseas 
But there's, believe me, there's plenty of demons here. You don't have to go over there to find one. Hallelujah. And we get to talk in tongues, it says, number five. Number six, we can expect protection from bad food or drink. I'll share one quick testimony in closing here. I got one more scripture to share with you. We were on an island of Bohol in the Philippines. This is 15, 20 years ago. And uh, you kind of have to eat what they have because otherwise you offend them. They do the best they can. So we had this pastor's conference and we're out in the bush in this little church. So we're staying in the pastor's house. About 20 people using one bathroom. You can imagine how that went. So there's a large crowd there at this little church. It was packed out. And so what they do is they roast a pig for any kind of a celebration like that. So they, it's called lichen. So they did two pigs because they had so many people there. So they, they eat a lot, these little people. So they devoured everything but the head of each pig. So we're there the next morning before we leave to go back to Cebu. And on the breakfast table, on each end of the table is a pig head. We could either eat this one or eat that one. I mean, nothing else. There was no fish. There was no ham and eggs. There was just a pig head. So you have to slice off a piece, an ear or snout or whatever you chose to eat. And uh, Anita and I looked at one another and we suddenly lost our appetite. But we had to eat something so we didn't offend them. And, uh, you know, God can protect you. You say, say one of these quick prayers. Lord, I need your help in my digestive system as I eat this pig. So that's just one little example. But got a lot of testimonies in that area. So New Covenant disciples have tremendous love also. The Bible says, I don't have a scripture for this, but it's in there. Um, that The Holy Spirit, is, God's love has been spread abroad in our hearts. And it helps us to minister in grace and mercy and in power. Because without love, nothing works. Well, the church has done a pretty good job of ministering in love and grace and mercy. The word of church has fallen short is when it comes to ministering in power. They've not realized that they have authority over all these things, or if they do realize it, they're not using it. And so it's time in these last days, we got to get this job done so Jesus can come. And um, we're the ones that are going to have to um, take care of the, his enemies. He sat down at the right hand of God as our high priest. And so we're his feet in his hands now until his enemies are made his footstool. And then he'll come back. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we got authorization, we got anointing, we got faith of God, and we got the name of Jesus. We got the full counsel of the word. All this stuff going for us. Lord, I have no excuse. I have no excuse. I want to read one more scripture to you in, in Psalms and explain it a little bit. And then I'm going to ask you to do something. 
This is Psalm 92, verse 10. It says, But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. The worship team can come if they want. A uh, horn is a symbol for uh, strength in the Bible. One of them anyway. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. And I have been anointed with fresh oil. So he was, the psalmist was saying that he's been anointed with fresh oil. And in the New Covenant, that would be the oil of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we've been through a lot this last year with uh, all the COVID and stuff. I got a refrigerator full of friends I know. Passed a friend of mine just down the road in Bonterre. 60 years old, died of COVID. Put him on a ventilator. So you might need fresh strength this morning. So I'm going to ask you to um, get out of your seat and come up here. If you want um, a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, you want a fresh touch from God, um, a refreshing of His strength to teach, to witness, to um, just go about your daily tasks, whatever it is. Just come up here as the worship teams begin playing. I'm just going to play one prayer. I'm not going to pray for individuals. If that's you, if you want more strength to witness, if you want more strength to, uh, you know, confidence to pray for the sick, whatever the case might be, more confidence to teach this year as you're teaching in the school, Whatever, whatever it is that you want more strength for, he's inviting you to come and receive it from him. Not from me. I got nothing to do with it. So just come if you want to do that. If you want to receive fresh from the Holy Spirit. We're just going to invite him to come and touch us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for these saints that are standing around the altar here. By taking a step of faith like this and coming up, they're believing that you're going to do something, Lord. Hallelujah. And Lord, I know you are faithful. You won't disappoint. You never have. So, Lord, I'm just going to ask you, in the name, powerful name of Jesus, I'm going to ask you, the Holy Spirit, to fall on them right now with a fresh anointing, Lord God, for whatever it is that they're asking you from in their heart. If it's teaching, it's for healing, it's for whatever the case might be. Lord God, I'm asking you to touch them right now by your Holy Spirit. Come, fall afresh on them, Lord. Hallelujah. Encourage them, build them up, strengthen them by your spirit that they might be um, full to overflowing, Lord God, so that it's bubbling out of them. When somebody sees them in the store, they'll ask them, what's different about you? What's different is that they're full of you, Lord God. And so we thank you and praise you for your faithfulness, Lord God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and touching each one here. Father God, with your touch, Lord, wherever they might need it, 
And we give you all glory and all praise and all honor, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to stay here just for a second. If there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, anybody in the building that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I mean, you know who he is, but you've never prayed and asked him into your heart. You know, we talked about salvation. This is your opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're in the house and you've never prayed a prayer, it just takes a minute, an actual minute in time. And I can pray with you. We'll all pray together. You won't be praying alone. And God will save your soul. Is there anybody here? Is there one? Anyone that doesn't know Jesus and would like to receive him as their Lord and Savior? Just raise your hand if there is. 